Thank you, Jesus. 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 We give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. Give you adoration. Thank you, Father. Father, we come before you this morning in all of your presence, acknowledging that you are here with us, acknowledging that with you is the fountain of life, and it is only in your light that we are permitted to see light. We come before you so that the candle, your candle upon our head, will remain bright, so that by your light we will walk through the darkness. We ask for seeing eyes, we ask for hearing ears, and we ask that we will be quick to do that which you will bring to us. Take the praise, take the glory, take the honor, in Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Welcome to church this morning. Um, without much ado, we'll quickly go into God's word. Uh, let me. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, let me. Before we go into God's word, let me quickly announce um, our end of the year retreat. Our end of the year retreat is scheduled for December 11th and 12th. Yeah, December 11th and 12th. Um, that's Saturday. I believe Saturday is 11th and 12th is Sunday. I want to believe so. But um, we'll be meeting, um, we'll, we'll be having three contacts in that retreat. We'll meet on Saturday at 7 a.m. We'll close that session at um, 12. We'll be back here at 3. We'll close that session at 7. Then on Sunday, we'll be here at 7 a.m. We'll close the session at 12. Okay, Amen. The theme we're looking at is actually the Lord reign. Am I correct? Is it 11 or 12? Okay. Okay, so the theme we're looking at is actually the Lord reign. Actually the Lord reign. Uh, you know, one of the things we believe is that no man no man can fulfill number two things now that number one no man can live a christian life without acknowledging the holy ghost yeah. number two we believe that no man can fulfill the mandate of his destiny without the holy ghost we believe this clearly and it's evidenced through scriptures but of course, there are arguments here and there how some people think the Holy Ghost is a force and all of that. Well, we're not going there. We, we here, we believe that the Holy Ghost is a person. And we believe that we need His power and His presence in our lives to maximize destiny. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So, majorly, the retreat is going to camp around the Holy Ghost. Yes, because occasionally, not occasionally now, Christians must must learn to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, you see, it's, it's something that we must learn. 
You must learn to fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We, we see the book of Acts, how they did so many things that they did by the Holy Ghost. At a point came, the point came, sir. Somebody was talking to Peter, and Peter, somebody was lying to Peter, and Peter said, why did you lie to the Holy Ghost? But it was, it was Peter the person was lying to. But Peter had grown so much sync with the Holy Ghost. He had come to know the Holy Ghost. He had been in fellowship with the Holy Ghost long enough that the Holy Ghost had taken over him. And at that point, if you, if you spoke to him, you were speaking to the Holy Ghost. Praise the name of Jesus. Because you must understand that every spirit, every spirit needs a... What am I talking? Okay. Every spirit needs a human body to make his or her presence known. Right? Every spirit. What, what spirits then want to do, especially when they are in this earth, is to fill a body. And so Peter could play host to the Holy Ghost. And at that point, if you were talking to Peter, you were talking to the Holy Ghost. If Peter was talking to you, the Holy Ghost was talking to you. So sometimes when we say that the Holy Spirit, we want the Holy Spirit to speak to us, uh, there's that possibility for you to hear an audible voice. And there's also that possibility for you to hear the audible voice of a man. And that will be the Holy Ghost speaking to you. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so we, we want to be that person. We don't want to just be preachers who will be preaching just preaching. No, we want it to be that when we, when we are talking, it will be that it's the Holy Ghost that is talking. Praise the name of Jesus. And, you know, the Bible made us to understand that Peter so soaked in the Holy Ghost to the point that his shadow began to heal the sick. And it wasn't just him. The Bible said that out of the bodies of Paul were taking aprons and handkerchiefs, and these, and these aprons and handkerchiefs were able to heal the sick. Now, unlike what we do in church now, that wasn't what he did. You know, in church now, if we have mantle service, what will happen is you will come with your mantle, and then the pastor will pray on the mantle. Sometimes the pastor will hold the mantle and pray tongues into the mantle and then give it to you, and then you will now call this a mantle. No. Paul did not pray on the aprons and the handkerchiefs. Amen. It was just a normal thing he uses to wipe his face. But he had so soaked in the Holy Ghost that the power of God had translated or transmitted into that is apron. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And even though we speak so much, pardon me, we'll go into our message. But, and even though we speak so much about what happened on the day of Pentecost, we see that the apostles, they had a secret, which is one secret that I think we need to go back to, especially as we live the Christian life now. It is that when the apostles, when they were filled with the Holy Ghost the first time, and they spoke in tongues, and all of that happened. The Bible made us understand that there was another point when they prayed, and that the Holy Ghost came, right? And the, as they prayed, that the foundation of the place where they were standing was shaking, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost again. It's your Bible. Have you seen that? We've seen that in scriptures. Okay. That they prayed, and they were filled again. They were filled again. And so you see Paul will say things like be filled with the Spirit. Um, and theologians have made us understand that the original rendering is be being filled with the Spirit. Be being filled. 
So being filled with the Spirit is not something that you just do and you say, oh, I'm filled with the Spirit. No. It is that every time of our lives we are supposed to be, be being filled. The filling of the Holy Ghost is supposed to be constant. And if it is true, that means that we must create sufficient channels for the Holy Ghost to be filling us. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. For the Holy Ghost to be filling us. Let me stop. I need to stop now. Let me go back to my message. Praise the name of Jesus. Amen. Alright, so today um, we have been looking at the team, the principles of the doctrine of Christ, and we lifted that from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, and um, where it says that um, let us let us leave the principles of the doctrine of Christ and go on to perfection. And he began to list the principles of the doctrine of Christ. He said, repentance from dead works. And the second item you will see there in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 2 is faith towards God. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And you see, last week we tried to, we, we, it was an intentional labor. We tried to labor to make us understand that the first purpose of faith is to help us to receive God. And that receiving God doesn't just mean receiving his personality. We say receiving God also means receiving his wisdom, receiving his counsel, receiving his power. So everything we want to receive from God, everything we want to receive from God, everything we want to receive from God, we must receive through the vista of faith. Praise the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we did that and we said, uh, um, even though it is by faith we receive God, there is a cardinal There is a cardinal thing we need to receive in God. And that cardinal thing, especially as it borders around our Christian world, that cardinal thing we need to receive is forgiveness. We say we must labor to get our faith to receive the forgiveness of God. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we did all of that last week, but today we are going to be looking at, um, you know, we said last week we didn't look at what faith is, what faith is, amen. So today we will be considering the question, what is faith? What is faith? Praise the name of Jesus Christ. What is faith? You know, there are people who... Uh, in their attempt to explain faith to us, in their attempt to explain faith to us, they have tried to differentiate faith and belief. I don't know if you've encountered any exegesis like that, where uh, maybe the preacher tries to, to differentiate between faith and belief. Okay, well, I've seen a couple of them where they try to differentiate faith and belief. And the reason why they try to do this is because a lot of times people people say people say they agree thinking they believe is what they mean are we together now when they, they will say they will say we believe but what they are saying is we agree praise the name of Jesus now agreeing with what God has said doesn't necessarily mean it's, it. Of course, believing has that element of agreement, but agreeing is not all there is when it comes to believing God. 
praise the name of Jesus Christ. So for example, the Bible now tells us in the book of, is that James now? How James was saying that you believe that there is one God. He said the demons also believe and they tremble. So demons also believe that there is God. A lot of people doing a lot of wicked things. They, they agree there is God. They are not, they are not, they are not um, contesting the fact that there is God. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. However, that you agree that there is God doesn't cut it with God. Because you see, the human mind, when they say, I believe, what they are trying to say is that I agree many times. So, for example, um, the, the entire, the entire, the entire um, subject of mathematics is on the strength of an agreement. Amen. There are certain rules of mathematics that you must agree to. For example, 1 plus 1 is 2. 1 plus 1 is 2. A level comes when you are first introduced to mathematics, especially as a child, the first thing that you ought to do with that 1 plus 1, or that, that addition and multiplication as a factor, the first thing you ought to do is to do what? Is to agree with it. So your teacher comes up and says, 1 plus 1 is 2. And then the teacher tries to labor to get you to agree that 1 plus 1 is 2. So that everywhere you see 1 plus 1, you believe it's 2. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Now, as you begin to advance in that course, in that um, subject of addition and subtraction and all of that, as you begin to advance, you now get to a point where you begin to, you begin to do what? You begin to uh, find out the reason why 1 plus 1 is 2. Amen. So the first time you had to agree, you were taught. But as you advance in that your that in that subject of one plus one is two, you get to a point where you, you have to prove that one plus one is two. Are we together now? You you want you have to prove that one plus one is two. So um, for some people they begin to show to them that okay, one error plus one, especially the ones that like money, they'll not say one error plus one error is two. Do you agree? Do you understand? That's what they usually ask. Do you understand? The person will say, eh. Some people will say yes, some people will say no. Then they will bring one money plus two money. If I have one money here, and I have two money, and I have another money here, if I bring both of them together, how many money are you seeing? They will now say two. What are you trying to do? We are trying to make them to get to a point where they can prove that one plus one is two. Amen. Amen. But then there is a third aspect of it. That third aspect of it, is the aspect of application, the application of the things that you have both agreed and you have both believed. Where, wherever you get to, and then you see one plus one, you know it's two, and if you want to achieve two, you know you have to apply one plus one. Praise the name of Jesus. So if you have, if, if there are two people in the room, and you have one chair inside, and you have another chair outside, because you have known that one plus one is two, you have agreed that one plus one is two. You have believed and you can prove that one plus one is two. Common sense will now tell you that, oh, since there are two people here and it's just one chair that is inside, let me go outside and bring that other chair outside and bring it inside so that this other guy can have a place to sit. You are now applying what you've learned. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Now, faith is the application of your belief. Are we together now? 
Faith is the application of your belief. In other words, the first thing, the first thing, you know, some people say faith is not belief. I don't, I don't, I don't fully subscribe to that because no, nobody can truly jump to faith without passing through belief. Meaning that faith is an offshoot of a belief. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Now, that belief in Christianity is predicated upon all that God has said. Amen? In Christianity, faith now is believing all that God has said and acting so. Because when you, when you, when you tell people that faith is not belief, and that um, um, you can believe and not have faith. What it means is that you have not believed. Oh God. But when you say, you know, I, I've had maybe like one or two people say that, that you can believe and not have faith. If you check that statement critically, it means the person has not believed. Because if you believe, the end product of that your belief is going to be faith. And this is one of my classic examples. I tell you that, come to my house tomorrow, let me give you 100,000 naira. Praise the name of Jesus. So come to my house, I'll give you 100,000 naira. First, you have to agree that I have that 100,000 naira. Next, you have to believe that I am willing to give you that 100,000 naira. The proof that you believe that I am willing to give you that 100,000 naira means that you will begin to make motions or you begin to make plans to come to my house tomorrow. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So if a person has truly believed, then there must be faith springing out in that person's life. If I have truly believed, then I am heading for faith. On the flip side, you know we say things like faith without works is dead, and that is very, very true. Of course, we need it from scriptures. On the flip side, it is possible for you to have series of actions without having faith. It is possible for a person to have series of actions. He's walking, he's vibrant, he's active. You know, in his heart, he doesn't really believe what he's doing. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So I, what I'm trying to do now is to disabuse our mind from thinking that faith is an act or is an action. Yes, faith is an action, in quote, now in quote. Faith is an action, but um, an action is a necessary condition for faith, but it is not a sufficient condition. An action is a necessary condition for faith. That means... There is, there is a necessity upon faith for you to include an action. But an action itself is not sufficient to be termed as faith. So here's what I'm going to. So faith now is the blend. Or better still, faith is the mixture of belief and action. Faith is the classic example um, 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 faith is the word that word that you can use to describe trust and obey you trust then you obey 
And if your obedience is built on trust, that means you will always obey. Are we together? Because so long as that trust is there, obedience will spill out. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So faith has an action, but faith itself is not an action. Faith has to be a mixture of belief and action. So the Bible says, the God, unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. Say, but the gospel preached to them did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So Jesus will say things like, your faith is what? Your faith is little. Jesus will say things like, you have great faith. What Jesus was saying is not that you have great action. Are we together? Jesus was not trying to say that you have great action. No. So it could be that in a place, the person that has the person that has the greater the greatest faith is not the person that has the greatest action. It could even be that it is the person that will have to uh, sit down. For example, if you tell them that God wants us to give one million dollars, if you want to give one million dollars. Raise your hand. And nobody raises their hand. And then you say that, you see, if it is in your heart, God will place it in your hand. Some of these things, you have to have faith in order to give one million dollars. And then you give a lot of pep talk about faith. Then you say, if you, if you believe, no, then say, if you want to give one million dollars now, raise your hand. The person that rose his hand and was running and, you know, from pillar to post in the church, I know they were playing that song like tan 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 and he was dancing, believing that he, had, he would get that one million dollars. It could be that it's not that person that has the great faith. It could be that the person that raised his hand last was the person that had great faith because he had to contemplate about what you said in his heart. Oh God. He, he had to contemplate about what you said in his heart and there had to be a firm belief that firm belief will now lead to what is called full persuasion. He has to be persuaded before he will raise up his hand. So faith now, the action of faith is an offshoot of a persuasion. So the person will, a, the person will have to be foolish, like Matthew will say, if to a man of what a man of faith is doing will be foolish to everybody. But if it is foolish to the man of faith, it is truly foolish. It is really, really foolish. So for you not to be foolish, right? When a word comes, you have to sit and be fully persuaded of that word before you begin to make actions. If not, you will take that action and then you begin to doubt. You know, sometimes they will ask that if you know that a lady has five years to live. Are we together? If you know that a lady has five years to live, or for example, you are in a relationship with a lady, and they pronounced, and you guys have started planning marriage, but maybe like two months to your wedding, then I pronounced that she, she, she took ill, you went to a doctor, and the doctor said, this lady has, let me know you use five years, this lady has one year to live, and your wedding is next month. And then they asked the question like, if you are the guy, will you still marry her? Don't rush and say I will marry her. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus Christ. It is at that point some people will now think that that's where to show muscle. And like we usually say, faith is not stubbornness. Faith is not if, I, if, I, if, I, if anything that happens will happen. No. 
Faith knows what will happen. It is that at the end of the day, the will of God will prevail. And I will come to the full persuasion of that will of God. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So it is not that I will marry her, I will still marry her like that. No. To a man of faith, what he will do is that he will begin to, if he loves her so much, what that love will provide is that he will begin to search through scriptures to find the promises of God. Then he will stay with that, those promises of God long enough until he is persuaded. He is persuaded to a point where he becomes a prisoner of what he believes. It is on the strength of that persuasion that he will now say, I will marry her. Then when he begins to make actions, when he begins to take actions, we will know that, no, this is action, it's not just eye service. We'll be sure that on his wedding day, he will show up. I've not seen people that, they know that this marriage is danger. But they are doing the, uh, we'll run it by faith, by faith, by faith. Until it is that time for wedding, the only day of the wedding. Oh boy, But do you know that all the actions they took before that time that they refused to enter the car, if you, if you are looking from outside, you think that it's their act of faith. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So being fully persuaded is what the Bible refers to as following God fully. And even though you can, you can do kalo kalo and hide under the cloud of many people talking and come out of Egypt, you have to follow God fully to enter into the promised land. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So let me, let, me, let me still remain on my message a little bit. I'm not left. I'm still on it now. Have you? Yeah, I'm still on it. So having actions alone is not faith. You know what Peter said? When Jesus came to him and said, have you caught anything? He said, Master, we have toiled all night. No, Jesus said, cast your net into the other side for a great catch. And Peter said, Master, we have toiled all night and we caught nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, we will cast our net. Then he, 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 he threw that net down and the Bible made us understand that they caught fishes, right? What people think, what a lot of people would think is faith is that once when Jesus said, cast your net. That master will have toiled all night, but we caught nothing. Some people think that it is faith for you not to say anything like that. Oh God. They think it is faith for you not to say anything like that. You just throw the net. No. No. Peter said, we have toiled all night. Nevertheless, the key word there is nevertheless. In other words, Lord, you have said this. Right? This and this and this and this are the realities that we are facing. But because you have said this, I will do what you have said. Are we together now? Because you have said this, I will do what you have said. So as it were, faith is not you not knowing what's happening. Oh God. Faith is not you just neglecting the fact. They say there is gutter. They say that that gutter is deep nobody can pass and the ground is even breaking. You say, I will go. I'm going there. No, 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 no. Faith is that. They say there is God there. But God said, I want to meet you on the other side. 
So you say to the Lord, there is God time between me and you, but because you said, I want to meet you on the other side, therefore I come. That is faith. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to share with us a very, very powerful scripture. A very, very, very powerful scripture. In short, the, I encountered this, this scripture during the week and it was beautiful. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1 from verse 1. We must be people of faith. We must be a people of faith. You know, I heard something during the course of the week, and I, I, I when I heard it, the first thing I said, the first thing I said, forget that one. All backslide. Since that a, a, a particular man had an issue, a police case, and then they invited the reverend to come to the police station, and then the, the reverend was engaging the guys and telling them that ah, so okay, they were not explaining to the reverend. Now, that this is what's happening. She remember that said, so what are you going to be doing about it? And they say, we have been praying. That the reverend now opened his mouth and said, it is four people that pray. When the guy told me, I said, that was no backslide. I, you see, I didn't know what to say. I said, that was no backslide since. You know why? You know why people end up like that? It is that they think that Christianity is actions. Oh God. So when they gave their life to Christ or when they came into Christianity, they think that what to do to show to God that you exist, for God to notice you. You know, we think sometimes but unconsciously we think that especially if you go to crusades or if you've been to large gatherings, very large spiritual gatherings, you will discover that one of the things one of the things that will be bugging your mind is that the way you people are so plenty. The number of the people that are there, to the preacher is sweet, to the to the worshiper, or to the person there, there are sometimes that you have to battle with a lot of distractions. Have you noticed? If you are in a large gathering, you have to battle with a lot of distractions. People are plenty. People are, you know, I don't know how to put it. And sometimes you look at the people that are in front are the ones that are closer to God. They are the ones that know what's going on. That's why people fight to not to stay in overflow now. You don't know. There's some people who think they are missing out in what is happening if they are in the overflow. People be like, oh, I don't like this place. I don't like this place. Let me. Yeah. And the reason why things like that happen is it's a subconscious human thing. We think that the Lord sees horizontally. In other words, you know, if God sees horizontally, what it means is that the people that are closest to Him are the people He pays more attention to. And the people at His back. You might not really take attention to them. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So it happens. And even though this happens subconsciously in our minds, sometimes it also happens, it doesn't really have to happen when you are in a crusade. Sometimes just knowing that there are a lot of people who have professed this faith, they want, they want you to think that Kai, God's attention might be divided. And so we think that the thing to do to get God's attention is to do great things. Amen. So somebody who just gave his life to Christ not quite long, have not even learned the principles of the doctrine of Christ. He will resign. 
his job. And he will say he wants to go into full-time ministry. Amen? Somebody who has not... The, the, that name of God, El Shaddai, that has not been manifested to him. In other words, he has not believed God for a pencil. Are we together now? He has never in his life believed God for a pencil. Now, but he wants to do something big for God. He wants to do something big. So he says he wants to go into full-time ministry. So he enters into full-time ministry, and when you are signed from afar, you'll be like, Kai, this guy is a man of faith. Right? That this guy is a, is, a, is a great man of faith. Only for you to now realize that he's in full-time ministry, but he's a serial womanizer. This thing is a paradox. Though. You know why? Sometimes, sir, you know what it means to be in full-time ministry. You, you know, if you have, if you enter into full-time ministry, no, not if you enter. If you are considering full-time ministry and you are waiting to be fully persuaded before you enter into full-time ministry, you will know the weight of what it is for somebody to say, I am, I am a full-time preacher. Right? Full-time now, you know, it's not the, you know, like, you're not the one that you sleep Monday to Monday to uh, Wednesday afternoon. Then Wednesday evening, you come and preach. Then on Thursday, you go and sleep or the Sunday morning. That's not the type. What I'm saying is that you are actively engaging in the ministry. You are, you are, you know that all of your resources, now all of your resources are commanded by God. But most of the time, God has placed systems around you. Of, of which when you look at those systems, you know that no, no, our money will come. But you know it's God. But you know that the system God has placed is a system that you can predict. Right? You know now there's another layer of God has placed systems, but you cannot predict the systems. When God begins to introduce you to like the ministry of ravens, it is ravens, beds that are bringing food for you. Now, that raven, now you don't have any personal relationship with that raven. And you know that for that raven to bring food to you, you have to be sent. That's the kind of full-time ministry I'm talking about. So now, if you are waiting to be fully persuaded before you enter into it, you will not be wait. And you know, everybody that you see that is in full-time ministry will be thinking that eh, these guys have gone ahead of us. Only for you to now realize that this person that has gone ahead of you is a, is a serial humanizer. And a serial trickster. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. The reason why a person might have, you might look like a person has taken a great action of faith, and the person's life is not consistent with scriptures, is that that action was not an action of faith in the first place. It is that we need to be the ones reigning. You see, that, that thing, that thing, that thing. And I've realized that people that have that kind of mind, bah, they, they don't end up knowing God. People that think that what you ought to do in Christianity is to do big things. Was it Zakunen or was it Zakunen or Rabbi Zacharias or David Paulson? One of them, one of those our elders, one of them said something. He said that if you want to test a child's obedience, a little child, maybe a child of 10 or maybe a child of 7, you don't test a child's obedience by telling him not to commit fornication. The child of seven. So you must ensure you don't commit fornication. You must ensure you don't engage in armed robbery. 
And because he doesn't engage in fornication and Arab, you say, my child is obedient. No. You cannot tell that that child is obedient because the thing you are telling not to do, he doesn't even have the capacity to do it. Right? The way to check if a child is obedient is to tell him that every day when you come from school, you do your homework. You tell him when you eat your food, you wash the dishes. Now, you are giving him instructions that he can do, and these instructions are seemingly little instructions. Now, you can tell if a child is obedient or disobedient by the little things. The same way, a lot of things that people are trying to say they are doing for God, or people are saying they are doing for God, God is not using that one to test them. There are little, little things, there are little markers God will use to test if you are obedient. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. For example, this one, looking at a lady's bosom. I've noticed that a lot of guys, they look at ladies. Have you ever walked, maybe you are in glory, you are trekking, you are walking somewhere. Have you taken note of the number of guys that look at you guys where you are going? Just as you are going with a lady, especially if it's a guy and a lady, just watching, you see guys. Looking, there's even one of one of the one, one guy. You know his wife. <laughs> it was so bad because anytime the guy was coming home, I just noticed that if a lady passes, he must turn. I know if you are behind the person, you will easily predict or you will easily know what the person is doing. So I told you that why why you say if you see girls, you do always turn to look again. He now said that when even his wife has complained about this thing. Do you know that there are even married men that their children know that they need to look at them? Their children. Their children know. As they are driving, if a lady is passing, you know, if the lady is in your front, they won't know you are looking. When the lady has passed you, and then you will now turn. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So, little things like that. Do you know that since a preacher, it was a preacher that helped me. The preacher said, the first time that you saw the lady could be an accident. The second time was a choice. That there was a window between that first and second time. And that window carried something called choice. So you know what I used to do? Sometimes I deliberately refused to look. I deliberately. Because Jesus said, you see, you know, we must follow God fully. Because Jesus said, it is the recipe for fornication. In short, Jesus said, if you, if you don't check it quickly, you are committed adultery. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So now, these are some of the little things. For me now, you know, God has been helping me a little bit. You know, there's one thing that I used to do in American movies, where they would say Jesus, they would put an F word, then they will put Christ at the back. If I'm watching a movie, you say that no matter how interesting it is, I eject it. No matter how interesting, no matter how interesting, if they're like, let them be clean. You know, the, one of the reasons that make you type glue to a movie is that it's the good guy they are killing. So you want to see how the good will prevail against the evil. If they like, let them be cutting the good guy's neck. You say that nonsense, I'm not, I'm not watching again. There's a popular American comedian, you know, a popular American comedian. I'm not watching any of his team again. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So, back to my Jesus. What was I? 
We've not read that scripture that I said we should open, right? Titus. Titus. Titus 1. So, yes, let me quickly finish this one. So, many times people think that it is to do the great things so that God will have their so that they will have God's attention. Even sometimes, if you want to pray long, it is because of unbelief. Jesus said it now. Jesus said that you, you stand and you offer long prayers, thinking that it is by the multitude of your prayers that you will be heard. And instead of Jesus to con- confirm them as strong spiritual giants, Jesus proclaimed pro- woe to them. So many times, the reason why we, we, we do, some people do big things, if they have come to a new church, they came to a new church, maybe in their church in Port Harcourt, they were the happening guys. They come to a new church and the pastor preached first week, you didn't notice them. You know, of course, you know you will notice them, pastor, first timers, you know, shake hands, welcome to church, welcome to church. So first week, the pastor preached, you didn't notice them. Second week, the pastor preached, you didn't notice them. Third week, the pastor preached, you didn't notice them. By the fourth week, they are coming with a prophet offering. Yeah. Because they must be noticed, because they, they think that the place is too large and they, they have not learned how to stay in stealth mode. And that word, stealth, is the same thing as secret. And if you have not learned the secret life, you are not entitled to open the world. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. So we must enjoy being in secret. You know, there's something I used to fancy in my head. I don't play the keyboard, but I used to fancy in my head. And maybe I was just be in one church, and you know, I used to come there. One day the keyboard doesn't come, and they're looking for keyboard. I'll just stand up and say, I say, let me play. I used to fancy it in my head. You, you must enjoy being in secret. You, 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 you must not be close to the seat of power, in quote. You must not always be close to where things are happening. This is the reason why people backbite at the office. Because they must be friends with their boss. You don't have to be friends with your boss. And sometimes when you are over, overly trying to impress your boss, what you do is that you talk down on other people in his presence so that she can like you. You will not become your boss's informant. Just because we have not learned this act of staying and not being noticed. We want to be noticed. You know, there are these people, I've noticed them. I've noticed some of those kind of people. They are the ones that are closest to the preacher. But when the preacher is preaching, they don't pay attention. But they are the ones closest. And they take pride in that they are closeness to the preacher. We are the ones rubbing shoulder with the bishop. We are the ones rubbing shoulder with the apostle. Meanwhile, the person that is drinking of the spirit of that apostle, the apostle doesn't even know him. The person that is drinking of that spirit, the apostle doesn't even know him. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Doesn't even know him. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. All right, so the, the, the scripture that I told us to put to Titus chapter 1, from verse 1, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, that cannot lie, promised 
before the world began. Two again, it says, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. I just like I just love that verse three. So permit me. Let, let me read it. Verse three says, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. Through preaching. There's a there's one way. There's a way God's word gets manifest. It is through what? Through preaching. Through preaching. And the intention of preaching is to get you to realize that there is a hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie has promised before the world began. Now, my emphasis in that is that verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie has promised. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie has promised. This is the soul of Christianity. The soul of Christianity, which is our faith, is that God cannot lie. The reason why we have hope for eternal life is that God cannot lie. Praise the name of Jesus. It is that God cannot lie. You know what it means? You know what we are doing? Everything, our obedience, our prayer, our coming to church, our learning of the Lord is in hope of, in hope of what? Eternal life. All of these things that we are chasing, all of these things that we are trying to do, trying to know God more, trying to love Him more, it is it's a what? In the hope of eternal life. Now, that hope of eternal life is a promise. And that promise is only valid because God cannot lie. Are we together now? So everything that we are doing is a, will be a waste if it were a lie. In other words, if God comes now, <laughs> in other words, if we, if we find out that what God has said about eternal life was a lie, I speak reverentially, if we find out that what God has said about eternal life was a lie, then it means that all our hope has been dashed. The entire Christian work is predicated upon this thing. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. That even the hope of our eternal life is predicated upon the fact that God cannot lie. In other words, it will not be that when we get to, maybe after the world, when the world has ended, then you know why God just called everybody. You know what I'm saying? I'm joking, you know. <laughs> Praise the name of Jesus. Nobody will just come over and say, ah, I was joking, you know, April Fool. No. It is that God cannot lie. See. The strength of your faith now, the strength of your faith now, should properly be founded and rooted in that statement, God cannot lie. God cannot lie. If he has said it, then that's how it is. God cannot lie. 
God that cannot lie has promised. You know, there's a way we rhematize around these things, and the rhema is sweet, and it's actually true. We said that the reason why God cannot lie is that if God says there's a stool here, even if there was no stool there, because he said there was a stool there, a stool will appear. Amen? Amen. So we use that to say it is impossible for him to lie, because even if he's lying, the lie will automatically become the truth. Uh, Kai. You know, sometimes when you grow over some things, when you when you when you grow over, there are some rumors that are will be golden, were golden to you. You realize that ah no. God will not say to you, God will not say to you that there is a stool here. With the intention of lying. And because he's God and he's all powerful, even his lying now became the truth. No. What I'm trying to say is that if God says there is a thing here, there is a thing there. Praise the name of Jesus. If God says that I'm going to meet you here, I'm going to, he's going to meet you here. So the first thing my faith must be in is not in the power of God or even in the almightiness of God. The first thing my faith must be in if I'm going to stay with God long enough and I'm not going to be offended at God. The first thing my faith must be in is that I must have faith in the integrity of God. We must believe that God is a God of integrity. God is a God of integrity. He's a God of integrity. You know what the Bible says about God? The Bible says, God speaking now about himself. He said, and I will watch over my word to perform it. I will do what? I will watch over my word to perform it. In other words, if, if I have said something, my eyes will be locked on what I've said. Now back, you know where we were before? Let me now take you back there. Let me take you back there. So many times, even if we think that that subconscious comes to our mind, I would think that God might not be paying attention, as much attention to us as he should. All we think, you know, you know, it's subconscious. I'm not saying that's what it is. I'm just saying that subconsciously, those moments when we think that, oh, we are so plenty in this place, and you know, how we got, is God seeing me? You know, sometimes we think some of those thoughts, which is what makes some people to do great things, crazy things, so that God will, will take note of them. Even at those points, the solution to that kind of thought pattern is to constantly imbibe the word of God. As you constantly imbibe the word of God, God will watch over his word to perform it. In other words, the eyes of God is wherever his word is. The attention of God is wherever his word is. This is the reason why sometimes a thing will look so big to us. And when we begin to imbibe the scriptures and begin to imbibe God's word, we begin to feel a comfort. We begin to feel that comforting. You know that, let me quickly say this. You cannot experience the comforting ministry of the Holy Ghost if you don't know God's word. Because you see, many times when the Holy Ghost comes to comfort you in a time of grief, in a time of fear, in a time of pain, when he comes to comfort you, he's going to be bringing scriptures back to your memory. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Scriptures will be rolling back to your memory. 
So what we ought to do now is to imbibe God's word. And all of this of God's word that we are imbibing is predicated upon the fact that God cannot do what? Cannot lie. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. God cannot lie. I, I see, oh God. What this means, sir, is that if God has ever spoken anything to you, if God has ever, ever spoken anything to you and you have believed it, you've believed in the integrity of God's word, if God has ever spoken anything to you and you believe it, we are sure that there's going to be a performance. And sometimes, you know, what, what, for example, when a person has faith, there ought to be a correspondent work of faith. Am I correct? There, there ought to be a correspondent work of faith. So, for example, you believe God. You believe God is going to give you a good business, right? So, you know, we say things like, don't just stop at confessing the word of God. What you also do is to go out and open, you know, open your shop and all of that. You know, that is correct in its entirety. Except that confessing the word of God is also part of the work of faith. Are we together now? That is, confessing the word of God is also part of the work of faith. You will not know how much of work it is to confess God's word until you, now, you, until you want to build a discipline around confessing God's word. Because you have to go to the scriptures, you have to find the scriptures, you have to make a time where you confess these scriptures out. Praise the name of Jesus. And yes, you have to go open your shop and all of that. What is not a work of faith now? It's for you to now begin to lobby. Praise the name of Jesus. It is, not, it is for you to now begin to lobby. And many times when you begin to lobby, especially one of the ways for you to know that you are falling from grace is when you now make statements like heaven help those who help themselves. That statement is one of the greatest statements of backsliding. When you have said it, just know. Check. If, for example, you are doing something, the tea just comes out of your mouth. Just check. Check yourself quickly. What did that backslide? Just check. But I don't know. There's a way the devil has put that word. Or maybe it's God that has put that word to make us know that Kai, I've missed something. Praise the name of Jesus. Second scripture. Second scripture. Amen. Amen. Second, the second scripture is Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. Glory, hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22. The Bible says, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. Having So how are we drawing near? We are drawing near with a true heart. How? In the full assurance of faith. So before we begin to attempt to draw near, there must be a full assurance. What I was trying to say earlier. There must be a full assurance of faith. 
having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that has promised. He is faithful that has promised. So how am I going to hold to my profession of faith without wavering? It is because God, the one who has promised, is faithful. Have you noticed that since, since we have been looking at this um, um, teaching, we have not really talked about how we are sure that God is going to do what he said because he's powerful. Have you read any scripture like that? We have not. The first one is that God that cannot lie is the one that promised it. Meaning that the God we are dealing with is a God of integrity. This second one is telling us that the one who has promised is faithful. Is faithful. So our faith is not just in the fact that God is powerful. In short, we won't be people of strong faith if we, if, we, if we just place our faith in the power of God. Because there are so many other factors that must come when we are talking about faith. Number one, we must have faith in the wisdom of God. We must have faith in the wisdom of God. Number two, we must have faith in the goodness of God. We must know that God is not just powerful, but He is wise. We must know that God is not just powerful, but He is good. Praise the name of Jesus. So, the reason why we are sure of the performance of what God has said is because he is faithful that has promised. He is faithful that has promised. So the Bible says, let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. Let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. Praise the name of Jesus Christ. Let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. As I conclude, I wrote here in my note, I said the man who wants to have great faith must therefore go for the discoveries of what God has said. Meaning that the greatest, the person that will have the greatest faith among all of us seated in this room is that person who is constantly discovering what God has said and he is believing it. That's the person that will have the greatest faith. The person that will have the greatest faith here is not the person preaching. The person that will have the greatest faith is not the oldest person in the Christian faith here. The person that will have the greatest faith is the person who has discovered more of God's word and he's doing it. So the person with the greatest discoveries of God's word or the person with more discoveries of God's word than the other people will automatically, and who has believed these discoveries, will automatically have greater faith. So, there is a way to migrate from little faith to great faith. There is a way to migrate from little faith to great faith. And how do I migrate? It is that I expand my knowledge of God's word. If I have little knowledge of God's word, my faith is going to be little. As I begin to discover more of God's word, and I invite this God, God's word, and I believe God's word, I will begin to have greater faith. So, don't just wish for your faith to grow. You learn. You learn into growth. 
Praise the name of Jesus. We'll learn into growth. Thank you, Father. We'll give you praise and glory. I want us to pray. Let us pray. Let us pray that God will help us to become people of constant faith.